This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Just a quick heads up this episode contains accounts of childhood trauma and attempted suicide. If you'd prefer to skip that, check out another episode from our archives. Produced by the iLab at WBUR, Boston. I always knew about the kidnapping. I always knew that it happened to me. I would have, like, really vivid dreams. I would have, like, anxiety about going to the beach. I hated the beach. Um, just certain triggers that would just remind me of my kidnapping. This is Monique. I was born in Oxnard, California. I do attend a community college out here, and uh, I do a lot of odd jobs just to kind of provide for myself. Monique is 20. She's a student. She's got a boyfriend. She works odd jobs to make ends meet. Every day. She wakes up at 6 or 6.30 in the morning. She goes to class. She gets out at 3. She works on homework or takes a nap. Then she goes to work one of her part-time jobs at 6 p.m. until about 11. Then she goes home, maybe a little more schoolwork, bed. Then she gets up and does it all over again. The routine of a college kid. A lot of Monique's life has not been routine. And the evidence of that is in a special folder on her desk. It contains a police report with her name on it. Up until a few weeks ago, Monique had been looking for that police report for 15 years, even though she might not have realized it. It's at the center of a mystery she's trying to solve. A mystery about a day she's just starting to fully remember again. So... I was I was five years old, and we were living in Satakoy. And I used to play with this little girl that would come over um, once in a while. And we were playing in the front yard, and this guy came up. And I knew this guy. This guy was always around. My It was like my mom's friend, maybe her boyfriend. I don't really know. And he was like, oh... Your mom, your mom needs you. Come in the car with me. Um, 
we have to go to your mom. And, you know, I was a little kid. You know, I've seen this guy before. So I was like, okay, yeah, he's a friend. Um, we got in the car. We started driving and we drove right past my mom. And she was on her bike. And she immediately turned the bike around, started chasing after us, yelling. And, you know, I was like, I was so confused. I was like, what was... I? I I really didn't know what was going on. I don't because I thought we were going to, to see my mom. And he ended up telling us, well, we're going to have a fun day. We're going to go to the beach. And um, as we were driving to the beach, he had a couple of porn magazines and he ended up giving us the porn magazines and making us look through it and kind of like suggesting that we do that. You know, I was just looking at a magazine. I didn't know. I thought it was, like, weird. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have that concept of what that was. So I was just really confused. Some of this story, Monique has always known. Other parts have come back in bits and pieces over the years. For parts of her abduction, she seems to remember feelings more than specific details. We ended up going to the beach and spending quite a lot of time there. And um, we were playing in the water. We didn't really care about anything. I thought I was safe. I thought I was in good hands. Then he did take us back to his car, but he made us get undressed. And I don't really remember what exactly happened I think that's just the way of like my brain kind of protecting myself um, from remembering that horrible time by the end of the day he kind of just dropped us off at, at a park and um, said oh I have to go to work stay here and you know we were both we were both cold we just got from got back from the beach our clothes were soaking wet and it was getting later, and so we decided to just try to find someone to help us. What happened next is another blurry part of Monique's memory about the abduction. But she thinks she and the other girl crossed the street from the park and started looking for help. They started crying. Eventually, they found an adult and got to the police. An amber alert that had gone out was lifted. We were so hungry. We ended up going to Carr's Jr. and they gave us like this, they bought us like these kids meals with like the star shaped nuggets. And I feel like that, wow, that's kind of useless information because I don't remember anything now, but I remember those like star shaped nuggets. And um, after that, I was just, you know, reunited with my mom, but she had, she actually told me, oh, you're gonna be on the news, stay up and watch it with me. And um, I ended up just falling asleep because I was so tired and just so exhausted and just really confused. This story, awful as it is, is incomplete. For 15 years, all Monique has had are the fragments. She hasn't known the name of her abductor or the other girl. Part of the reason is that she's estranged from her family and her abduction is a touchy subject. Regardless, she is on a mission to solve the mystery of what happened to her. 
I'm Ben Brock Johnson. I'm Amory Sievertson, and you're listening to Endless Thread. The show featuring stories found in the vast ecosystem of online communities called Reddit. We're coming to you from WBUR, Boston's NPR station. One of the reasons that Monique needs to solve this mystery of a day in her life when she was five years old is that almost nobody in her family will talk to her about it. Which makes more sense when you learn that Monique's family has been caught in a cycle of violence. My mom, she was abused by my grandma. She was kicked out. Uh, She was really depressed. Um, She actually tried to kill herself when she was younger. Uh, She didn't have the best life growing up. And I think that kind of, she never got help for it. Monique says that before she was born, her mom was using cocaine on the weekends. But cocaine is expensive. And soon, her mom's habit led to other habits. Meth. More drugs. Monique says her mom went from having a life full of possibility to a life full of illegal drugs. And not to say, like, she's not a great person. She always tries to make the best of out of everything. She's always tried to be the best mom she could be for me. But she, there's just so much, so many things she's been through. So I, I don't, the reason we don't talk anymore, it's not because I hate her or, like, I don't love her. It's more, it's more like after a while, it, I, she has to help herself. This is a familiar refrain to anyone who has been close to drug addiction. Eventually, the final battle of an addict often becomes a very lonely one. Because people around them who love them have to draw clear lines. But it doesn't happen overnight. Especially when the person who ends up being responsible for drawing those clear lines is really just a kid. When my mom told me she was selling drugs, we, I knew that I couldn't tell anyone. I, because we made it clear, like, you're not, like she said, you're, don't tell anyone I could get in trouble for this. So I, I knew that it wasn't, like, that was something that was supposed to be kept a secret. And I did keep it a secret, but I really had nothing else to compare to. Like, all my friends were my mom's friends, too. So they were all going through similar things. So it was, it was kind of normal. Monique has a god sister, Sophia, who is one of her closest friends. The other day we were talking to each other and I was like, you remember when, you know, like I would come over with my mom and then your mom and my mom would go into their room and lock the door and be in there for hours. It it just, we just realized like, oh, they're probably doing drugs together. And that's why they were in that room and we weren't allowed to like talk to them. And, like, even if we knocked on the door, like, being hungry, it was like, we're busy right now, we'll feed you later, we'll do something later. Monique doesn't know if her mom's drug addiction played a role in her being abducted. What Monique does know is that right after this happened, her mom made a big move from California to Iowa. Monique doesn't know why. She's wondered if it had to do with Child Protective Services, or maybe her mom wanted to get them both away from this guy who abducted her. She never got any real answers about her abduction. But maybe she wasn't asking as many either. When you're a kid and something gets swept under the rug, sometimes you move on to other things. And it's not until you're older that the nagging questions return. 
Monique says she and her mom stayed in Iowa, picking up work wherever they could, from kindergarten up until just before sixth grade. Then, one day, her grandmother died. Monique and her mom went back to California for the funeral, and her mom suggested they move back to California then and there. Monique says this is around when her mom's drug use jumped to a new level. My mom started getting really heavily into drugs, and that resulted in my aunt actually getting custody of me. And it was a huge change from going, um, you know, from always hopping around to actually being in a set place for about, like, I want to say, like, five, six years of my life. Mm. It was nice, but at the same time, my aunt wasn't like my mom. Um, It was kind of like I was walking on very thin ice all the time. Like, I had to be really careful what I say, how I express my emotions, and how I just carry myself. Um, Is that because um, your aunt was basically suggesting that you wouldn't necessarily keep staying with her if you, you know, did the wrong thing or something? Um, I go to therapy now because of this. One thing that I'm learning to understand and um, kind of process is that when you're a kid, you're you're going to make mistakes. You're, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get grounded. Um, but for me, it seemed like I wasn't allowed to make mistakes. We didn't really trust each other. It was just go, like getting picked up from school and not being talked to or not being asked about your day. And then as soon as your cousins are in the car, your aunt is like, oh, how was your day? What did you do at practice? What was this? Blah, blah, blah. It's kind of just makes you feel not worthy of that love and affection and kind of search for it elsewhere. This home life is what led to Monique running away when she was 17. She stayed with her other aunt in Las Vegas who agreed to take her in up until she turned 18. In the meantime, she got her GED, several months before the rest of her classmates graduated. Through all of this, Monique was finding her way. But the stuff that she went through as a kid, the remaining questions about her abduction, it was all still there. I don't have good communication with my family. My family including my mom. Like, my mom was really honest with me about her selling drugs, but I feel like this whole kidnapping thing was she felt like it was all her fault, and my family felt like it was all their fault too. So they just completely didn't bring it up. It was never brought up unless I brought it up. And when it was brought up, it was like kind of like a taboo thing to talk about. So I didn't really talk to anyone about this. And eventually, not talking about what happened to her caught up in a way that, considering family history, felt all too familiar. Um, About two years ago, I had, like, this kind of, like, mental breakdown. And I ended up trying to kill myself, and it was a failed suicide attempt, so I ended up in the mental hospital. And after the whole breakdown in the mental hospital, I couldn't take care of myself. I couldn't shower, I couldn't eat, I couldn't get up out of bed. And that whole experience made me realize, like, I really have good friends because all my friends came to visit me when I was in the mental hospital. All of them, like, were so supportive. 
like I would call them and they would pick up the phone and talk to me during the times I was allowed to have the phone. And I'm really grateful because my god sister actually moved from Las Vegas to live with me. You know, she helped me get a job. She helped me take care of myself again. She made sure I ate. She made sure I took my medication, made sure I went to therapy, was taking me to my therapy sessions. Like, she really helped me. And honestly, all of my friends have that attitude. And it's really, to be completely honest, more than my actual family has shown me. Monique's more positive outlook in recent months is definitely because of her friends. It's also because she knows much more about what happened to her. And that is because of her post on Reddit. More in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Monique has always known she was abducted. And through therapy, Monique has realized that knowing the full story about what happened to her is an important part of moving past it. But getting the full story has been impossible. Her memories are incomplete. She was only five when she was kidnapped. And since the memories are traumatic, digging into them has also been really scary. On top of that, Monique's not on the best terms with her family, and nobody in her family is willing to talk about it. Monique's friends, on the other hand, have wanted to talk about it. I was with my friend Alyssa. We were just, like, talking about um, everything, about our lives. And I'd mentioned, like, the kidnapping. And she's like, do you even know who this guy is? Like, do you think he's in California still? Like, do you know what happened to you? Like, like just asking me questions that no one really asked me before. And it kind of made me like think like actually I don't I don't know this guy. Like I don't know where he is. I don't know the dates that it happened. I don't know why I got kidnapped. I don't know any of this. And we spent like maybe two, three hours just Googling like two girls kidnapped, found at park, dates, like everything that we could to just try to find something and we didn't. There was nothing there. 
But that same night that Monique and her friend Alyssa had been trying to find information online with no luck, Monique did something a little radical. I'm new to Reddit. I, I think I started, like, last year getting into Reddit. But she says all of her friends love Reddit and send her stories about how people solve all kinds of mysteries on Reddit. So why not try asking for help there? The title of her post reads, I was abducted as a child. It was posted to the Reddit Bureau of Investigation community, which is described as, quote, using the power of the Internet to solve real-world problems. Monique's post was just a few paragraphs, describing the town she was in when it happened, some other vague details, and it closed with this statement. Quote, I'm hoping that finding out more about this case will bring me peace and help with my healing. I hope that one day I could be reunited with the girl who was abducted with me. But that may never happen. I'm desperate for any help, guidance, advice. She wrote the post and went to bed. When I woke up, it was crazy. It was just so many responses, so many private messages from just complete strangers, like people I don't know. Like, I was blown away by the whole community. Monique got a lot of love and support, including a private message from a Redditor who related to parts of Monique's story. This was one of those cases that definitely caught my eye. <laughs> Let's just say that. Kat Ramzinski has some experience in real estate. So in addition to offering emotional support and advice, she also helped Monique take some immediate next steps. Step one, try to find the address of the house Monique and her mom were living in when she was taken from the front yard. Let's find the house. Let's do a background check on your mom. Let's look up the entire area in newspapers.com. Let's go look at old periodicals and anything we could find from that time about kidnapped children. Kat's ingenuity got the ball rolling for Monique. She decided to ask her godmother for more information. It wasn't until after Reddit that I was able to actually go to my godmother. She told me, like, yes, like, this could have been really dangerous. Like, your mom owed him money, and if she didn't get the money, that something bad was going to happen to you. And she was telling me, like, I honestly didn't believe that he was going to do anything, but we were. that's why we didn't even to the Amber Alert until way later, like maybe two or three hours after. The possibility that her mom owed this guy money was a revelation for Monique. It also made her mom's refusal to talk make more sense. I had my god sister call her, and she refused to talk about it. She got so mad. She got, she was like, nothing, none of that happened. I don't want to talk about it. And just hung up and hasn't spoke to my my god sister even tried to reach out to me since then dead end but another redditor reacting to monique's post a librarian found an actual lead i'm a helper that's why i'm in education it's why i like librarianship i hate the idea of somebody not being able to help heal themselves because somebody's keeping information from them and i know that sounds like mary poppins of libraries but it's kind of why we all do what we do this Mary Poppins of libraries, known as Pseudonymph on Reddit, also had a useful tool at her disposal. Access to paywalled newspaper databases. 
and just looked up a few different search terms. I think I looked up Amber Alert. Uh, I looked up the city that she was in at the time and a, a date range, and it pulled up about 40 different newspaper articles, and I just read through the bits and pieces that they had available, and one of them just sounded just like her. In the span of a lunch break, Pseudonymph found what Monique had been searching for for years, among some old clips of the Ventura County Star newspaper, not searchable in the newspaper's own archives, but in this separate database. She ended up finding like six pages just about the kidnapping, and it actually provided a name too. The name of her abductor, also a date, May 13, 2005, and a description of the kidnapper's car, a dark blue 1995 Honda Civic. Small forms of validation for vague memories from 15 years ago. When I got the article and the ages matched up, the location matched up, and then I had a name, it was like this sense of kind of relief, like, oh my goodness, like, I'm not crazy, this happened, this, like, it it kind of made it more real. And when I actually searched his name and I saw his picture, my body started shaking. His face was familiar. It was like my body kind of remembered. And I was also realizing a lot of things and thoughts that I have that were tied to that specific incident with the porn magazines until recently. After this all came out, I was like, wait, do not all males keep porn magazines in their car? It made me realize there's so much stuff and like trauma and like experiences that I've been through that I kind of just normalized it. And and it was like, now what do I do? This was a good question. Monique's abductor got off with a slap on the wrist 15 years ago. He pleaded guilty to one count of child endangerment, a misdemeanor. Basically, he was found at fault for dropping the children off in the park and leaving them alone. His case was originally treated as a kidnapping, but investigators found that, quote, the mother had omitted important information about her relationship with the defendant. Which begs the question, what exactly was her mom's relationship to this guy? Regardless... This was difficult for Monique to learn. You know, I've been living with this for 15 years, and this is something he did in a matter of a day. And it still stuck with me for 15 years. That's not fair. And he just got off with child endangerment, a misdemeanor. That's not fair at all. After processing this new information and her own new memories about the incident, Monique wanted justice, but she didn't really know how to go about getting it. Thanks to the advice that Reddit gave me, they were telling me to go to the local police station, like the Ventura County, and ask for your records. And it will tell you all this information. They'll give you the case number. And they told me, they're like, we don't have these files about this this case because he got let go on a misdemeanor. They're kind of not accessible anymore. Ventura County PD did give Monique the original police report from the day she was abducted. But her case file, with all the information about the police investigation, that's a different story. They told Monique they throw out case files for misdemeanors after 10 years. 
So Monique has now given new interviews to law enforcement in hopes that police will investigate her abduction further. One complexity she's still trying to figure out, though, a missing piece of this story, the other girl. On the police report I provided, you know, that didn't have the other girl's name. It doesn't even have my mom's name because of privacy reasons. It only has my name. But they said once the case is reopened, I there's a possibility that I might get to talk to this other girl who was with me. She was maybe like two years older than me, so I'm sure she might remember a lot more than I do. But at the same time, I'm really scared to even talk to her about it because what if she doesn't remember at all? Maybe something even worse happened to her that she doesn't remember. And by me talking to her and having a conversation with her, you know, it will trigger things that just might have been better off not addressed for her because, you know, everyone's different. It's not clear what Monique's legal options are from here. It's still early. But there are a few things worth noting. One, it'll help a lot if someone else can corroborate her story. If her family won't talk, the other girl who was abducted might be the only person left. Two, it's highly unlikely that police could dredge up physical evidence of what happened to Monique 15 years ago. But they can look into the abductor to see if he has a pattern of similar offenses. And now that we know the name of Monique's abductor, we can find out that he has been a registered sex offender in California. He's been in jail for a separate, more recent crime. He's out now, living in the same area, according to the information online. Legal matters aside, there's something else Monique is focused on right now. She's coming out of a long period of being too hard on herself. It's something she's changing. She's doing the work. Monique also wants to help her friends do the work. Friends she's made in recent years who have supported her through tough times. Like, I know a good amount of my friends have similar stories to me, but there's a lot of people who are really scared to just take that first step. And it is scary. Like, it's not easy. It's really scary. It's really stressful. But I'm hoping by sharing my story that more people, no matter how long ago it was, that people go and seek help, because when you keep that in for so many years, it just eats you up. Do you think you'll ever try to patch up your relationship with your mom, or is it pretty much up to her, or what are your thoughts on that? I I hope one day we could repatch our relationship and um, just be talking again. She always tried her best. Like, I want to make this clear. Um, I'm being really open about this just because, you know, this was my childhood. But we had this very open, honest communication with each other at one point. For as of right now, like, it's all up to her. You know, I can't stop my life for her right now. I have a lot of goals. I have a lot of plans. I have a lot of dreams. And she had the time to get better. And she had the time to, I don't know, get back on her feet. And it's always just been kind of excuse after excuse, broken promise after broken promise. And I'm just kind of tired of being disappointed. For now, 
Monique's focused on her next semester at college, doing the odd jobs she needs to stay on her own feet because the traditional safety net, family, isn't really there. And she's revisiting her case. It's all part of her ending a cycle of pain created by generations of abuse and neglect in her family. A lot of the things that I've been through, I've always kind of blamed myself. Like, I was like, well, I, this happened because I did this. My aunt treats me this way because I'm, I'm not good enough. I, I got kidnapped because I was dumb enough to go in the car. I believe that I deserved absolutely everything bad that's ever happened to me. And now I'm trying to be a lot kinder to myself. You know, my goals and my dreams in life is just to be happier, to live life. I want to go to different countries. I want to go to Europe. I want to go everywhere. I want to finish college because, you know, my family doesn't think that I'll finish college. They all think that I'm going to end up like my mom, like a drug addict. And it's not only to prove them wrong, but it's also... It's for myself as well. Like, I'm still going to prove them wrong. I'm doing great right now. I'm doing everything I can that I by myself. I just have a lot of people to prove wrong. If you've experienced child abuse of any kind, you can call the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 800-422-4453. To report information about a missing child, contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 800-843-5678. Endless Thread is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station in partnership with Reddit. Josh Schwartz is our producer. Iris Adler is our executive producer. Mix and sound design by Paul Vikas. Editing help from Kat Brewer. Extra production assistance from James Lindbergh. Michael Pope is our advisor at Reddit. Thanks to Oxidative for this week's artwork. It's called Overflow. You can find that at our website, wbur.org slash endless thread. For reactions to this episode or ideas for future episodes, check out our official subreddit. You can find that at endlessthread.reddit.com. Or you can always shoot us an email to endlessthread at wbur.org. My co-host and producer is Amory Sievertson. I'm senior producer and co-host Ben Brock Johnson. I'll let myself out. <laughs>